Hi, thanks for tuning in. This is Druggish for the People. This podcast will contain my feelings and opinions and uh, stories from from my practice in pharmacy, but none of this should be taken as just hardcore fact. This is more about stimulating questions that you can then take to your pharmacist and your doctor and your healthcare team uh, to help you better understand and participate in your care. And once again, just a little reminder, if you're looking for medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, you won't find it here. You need to use your healthcare professional for that. Today, the people will be represented by Owen. Owen, I know you think a lot about medications and drugs. Have you have you got any any specific medications or drug questions that you might have for the people? Uh, I think very little about drugs, I think, for the most part. Um, I don't understand how most of them work. Um, I'm a little curious about how people develop kind of a dependency on things like Tylenol PM and even melatonin. Um, how does that affect? How is it that you can fall asleep so well with them and then completely forget how to sleep without them? It's a great question, Owen. I like that phrase, Owen, you know, forget how to sleep without the melatonin or the Tylenol PM. Part of uh, like a good way of getting ready for sleep is to have a routine. And maybe um, the dependence that you're talking about is really just a part of the routine. Well, I'm getting ready for bed. I'm going to take some melatonin or I'll take a Tylenol PM. And there are all kinds of other things that you can do. Uh, relaxation techniques, whether it's meditation or mindfulness or, you know, a hot shower or uh, a certain kind of music that relaxes you. But there's, anyway, this... I think that is maybe one of the things that keeps people using things like melatonin and Tylenol PM and other ones, other hypnotics as well, other sleep aids, is that it becomes a part of the routine. And there should be a routine that involves, you know, when, how, what you're eating and drinking and when, uh, how much exercise you're getting and that kind of thing. So anyway, I think that trying to get to sleep is like trying to forget something. It just seems to result in the opposite thing happening. Uh, so it's like a golf swing. Uh, put everything outside of your mind and let it go. Let it happen. Um, so does that does that make sense? It does, yeah. Um, I guess I just wonder what melatonin, <clears throat> what it is about that that makes you tired and where it comes from. And I just know nothing about it. Just mystery little pill you take and it makes you knock out way quicker. Uh, first of all, about the melatonin, that is really popular now, and everybody seems to be using it. What melatonin is, is a hormone that's produced in the brain. And to me, it sort of points to the fact that we are designed to be awake during the day and sleep at night. That's just as creatures. We're not designed to be nocturnal, I don't think. And so as the daylight goes away and you get into evening, you, your body, your mind, your brain starts producing this melatonin, and I, I read a quote where it, in, it was stated to induce a quiet wakefulness, which I kind of like. So it doesn't actually induce sleep, but gets you ready for sleep. So we get it now from, it's available from animal and plant sources, but it's synthetically, you know, in a, in a lab produced. And people are taking it on a regular basis, but it's really not been studied. We don't know what long-term effects it can have. Uh, but just to be used once in a while, it was originally like jet lag, it would be a good 
good thing for maybe an older folks who are not producing the hormone like they should maybe, um, but just intermittently using it. So how did you, the idea of your body, you forgetting to, to you know, to, to go, to know how to go to sleep. It's just this hormone. If you, there, there are natural ways to make this happen. Uh, you have a quiet, you know, environment as you're getting ready for sleep and no bright lights, this kind of thing. Uh, if the TV's on, be a distant from it. Um, and then during the day, getting plenty of sunlight. So anyhow, it's just this biologic sort of animal thing that that our bodies and minds are doing. Um, and then the Tylenol PM or just Benadryl, that's just in a, one of those first-generation um, antihistamines that crosses the blood-brain barrier. So it gets into the brain and it causes sedation along with drying your mouth and some of your GI tract and a number of other things. But primarily what we're looking at here is the uh, knocking you out. So it just is a short-term, again, should be a short-term solution. So there's things you can do, you know, have an active day physically, mentally. Um, some folks say don't take a nap. And then this will promote better sleeping on your own. And you'll remember how to get to sleep. Okay. What about the stronger stuff like Ambien? Ambien is a uh, controlled substance. It's, it is a, a little heavier hitting uh, sleep aid. And it's a control four. So there's classes one through five. One being things that we really don't use in medicine, uh, LSD, things like that. And uh, five being the least, uh, having the least potential for abuse and addiction, that kind of thing. So Ambien is a, is a class four controlled substance. And um, it was very popular when it first came out, but there have been a number of reports of people sleepwalking and sleep driving and doing all kinds of things when they take the Ambien, which is obviously very dangerous. And they're at the higher doses of Ambien is a um, significant um, like hangover effect the next day. So it, it has a place in the, in therapy, but it too should be used short term. You know, it can be a great aid for, for when it's used properly, but it's not something that should be used all the time. Um, so is Ambien a narcotic? Technically, uh, Ambien is not a narcotic. The FDA and the medical field uh, would, would designate like an opioid as being a narcotic. And that is any, you know, naturally occurring um, opioid like, or opium like heroin, and also all the uh, synthetic and semi-synthetic derivatives like fentanyl and oxycodone and hydrocodone and hydromorphone. And there's a bunch of them. So technically it's not a narcotic, but uh, I think that casually or maybe on the street or just in a layman's in, in re some kind of co regular conversation, people might refer to it that way, but it is not uh, a narcotic. Okay. And now like NyQuil and stuff like that, if you're sick, is that kind of the same antihistamine that makes you sleepy from a tunnel PM or is that? It's similar. Yeah, it's similar. They're, they're called, um, they're called first generation antihistamines. And that's only because this is what they've discovered these compounds and they, that one, there's doxylamine is another one. Uh, it crosses the blood-brain barrier and causes the sedation. So they're just using an antihistamine because, yeah, if you have a cold or a cough, it can help to diminish, like, you know, watery eyes and sneezing and that kind of thing. And it also serves as a sleep aid. 
So the the NyQuil and NyQuil, I don't know how much alcohol is in that, but it used to have a fair like you know getting a shot. A little booze. Yeah, a little booze. Um. <clears throat> so it, they're they're good questions, and some of the some of the concerns around um, becoming addicted. It's when you get into the, the controlled substances and the opioids and narcotics and things that a person's body actually will require more of that same compound to have the effect or just, you know, gets used to it so that you can't stop it immediately, that kind of okay. thing. So is there a difference between being having a tolerance to something like that and kind of just getting used to um, having it every night? Um, like, like would if you took melatonin every night and you didn't take it, would it cause you to not sleep because of the habit that you've kind of fallen into to get to sleep? Or would it the chemical imbalance, I guess? Well, it could be it could be a combination of those things. But certainly, if you've been taking it and you've been having success taking it, and then you forget or skip it a night, then you have to see, well, how did I do? You might find that, oh, my God, I forgot to take it, and you're fine. Mm. You, might, you might discover, um, well, I'm really needing this stuff. But there is a difference between tolerance and what was your... Um, kind of habit. Yeah, just yes. habit. Yeah. So, like... Lots of drugs you can become tolerant to, especially if they're having some effect on a on a receptor. The receptors become, since they're so exposed, that they can become desensitized, and you require a little more of it. But like with opioids and stuff, a lot some some of the times you've got the liver actually starts cranking up and and can can um, metabolize more and more. So you need a little higher dose, a little higher dose. So you can be you can have a tolerance that's not necessarily a dependence. Okay. So at that point, you might have to increase the dose of melatonin. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I take it so so rarely that it kind of uh, it's always a dramatic effect that even melatonin has. Yeah. I, mean, I might take it every couple of weeks. Sometimes. That's good. Um, but I kind of get how people could get um, kind of stuck doing it uh, because it does just knock me out pretty heavily throughout the night. Yeah. Um, doesn't always happen otherwise. So. Well, that's good. That's good use of it to be using it periodically and when you need it um i, I use it myself and uh, more often than that but uh i i don't know sometimes i think i've become it's a psychological thing um okay i'm going to take five milligrams of melatonin you know controlled release and um there's there's times that when i fall into bed and i'm just exhausted because i physically and in many ways had a really really busy day and i just go to sleep and I have a great yeah. night's sleep yeah. so so it's Again, I'm not a. I'm one of these, um, like a sleep expert who can talk about all the the components that go into a healthy, you know, night's sleep. Mm -hmm. But um, your use of it sounds good. Sounds like that's what you. Yeah, really should I, I kind of just use it if I get my brain all wound up, sort of close to bedtime, and need to shut it down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Should have to be up early or something. But um, I could definitely see how people would get used to. Just having it every night and it kind of being a nice thing, but kind of wondering if there's any kind of real uh, I, I downside, think, downside to that. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's 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 a good point. I think that people, um, this is where well, three milligrams was working. It's not working anymore. Five milligrams, and I I mean, I've seen you know much much bigger doses than that, and people end up building up to it. So um, I think that you can become tolerant. I I don't know. Am I are these answering your questions? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I just kind of wonder because um. I don't know. I, I take it so rarely that I imagine 
if you took it all the time, it would probably not do the same thing. For yeah, you. yeah. Well, it's so much better than taking any of the control substances, the uh, halcyon and uh, Ambien and those right. kinds of things. Yeah, so. and it just seems like a dramatic result for me to even take a Tylenol PM. Um, so I can't imagine like Ambien, which is really, yeah. it'll put you to sleep while you're mm -hmm. walking around. Right, right. I'm kind of just wondering about the levels uh, between these things and if they're actually different. Um, they are different. Very different chemicals? Or yeah, they are. The same, they they, they are different chemicals. chemicals and nope. And they have a different mechanism of action. They, they uh, just work differently. Um, so uh, to sum it up, with your, with your questions and everything, we've got the first generation antihistamines, which is uh, Benadryl, diphenhydramine, and then the doxylamine, which you'll find in uh, NyQuil. And those cross the blood-brain barrier, so they make you drowsy, and they also treat, give you that antihistamine effect if you need it. And then there's the hormone, which is the melatonin, which is produced in the brain. And then there's also this Ambien that you asked about, and that's the uh, it's controlled substance prescription item. And that works centrally. It's a it's it works at the GABA receptors, like, um, but it's not a benzodiazepine, but it's a control four. So those are the the basic uh, groups that we've talked about. As far as a downside, like the over the counter things, the antihistamines can make can kind of dry you up, and that might be a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, can affect your vision a little bit. So specifically about the the Benadryl, the Tylenol PM, it is a medication, and you, there are a number of precautions about it. Really, uh, if you need to let your doctor know if you're going to consider taking this, if you've got asthma, bronchitis, a number of lung diseases, uh, glaucoma, um, urinary retention due to an enlarged prostate, uh, heart diseases, these kinds of things, and also if you're taking other meds, so. Even though it's over-the-counter, you still need to keep these things in mind. And this drying effect, this it's this anticholinergic effect, is what that's called, is also something in older folks that can be a problem. So they m might not use that as often, along with these other contraindications. So uh, it's just a good thing uh, to keep in mind with this with the diphenhydramine and all all the first generation. Uh, Antihistamines, um, and then the um, melatonin. To me, it's not been studied long term, and if you just take it, take it, take it. And since this is something to to keep our circadian rhythm intact, you know, to keep it's getting dark, it's time to start thinking about sleeping. If you just keep on supplying this hormone and not having to produce it, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we found that somehow our body quit going to the effort. Of producing this thing, so maybe we would have to take it. I don't know. I'm just speculating with that. But anyhow, that's that's kind of the, the long and the short of this whole thing. So I don't know. I think that's about about all I've got with that. Is okay, there... I got one more. Yeah, um, it's Thanksgiving. What is tryptophan? <laughs> well, it was always thought that this is a um, amino acid, that, and it was thought that this is going to cause drowsiness. Um, and it's in Turkey, but I'm not sure how true that actually is. Um, so that, that's a good question because I do get very drowsy after. Yeah, but it could be the two pounds of food. <laughs> it might not be the turkey's fault. Yeah, because all that blood goes to your stomach and your GI tract and your head's like, oh, I think I'm going to take a little nap. Maybe watch some football or There's something. There's no blood in there. That's right. 
that's a good question though. That I think that was um, found to not be the actual like we we always talked about the trip to Fan in Turkey mm-hmm. and how you made you drowsy, but I'm not sure that that. Yeah, it sure seems real. But yeah. Oh yeah. It's maybe it's there, a placebo thing where people just tell you that turkey makes you sleepy. You know, mm-hmm. just buy it. Yeah. Know? It does. But you know. You know what makes me sleepy? Hmm. The cool side of the pillow. Ooh. Yeah. Trip to fan all over. Uh huh. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Owen, have you got any more questions? I think that's about it. Yeah. All right, man. I thank it. Thank you for for being here, and uh, thank you for listening. This has been Druggish for the people. <laughs>